Welcome to Ars Equi, the podcast on all things law and technology. I'm Tima. I'm Paul. And in this episode, Dark Patterns. I recently saw this tweet uh, that asked, since when has learn more become the opposite of accept all? Mm, Fair question. Yeah, we've seen this all the time, like on websites asking us to accept cookies and you can never say decline, but you always have to learn more and like click through stuff and like it's the whole thing and it's just easier to accept. And companies want it that way, they designed it that way, so we always click accept. Mm-hmm. Um, this has been described as a dark pattern, so um, I'm sure you have a definition for this. Yes, so a dark pattern is when user interface design is created in such a way that it induces or deceives the user to perform certain activities that may be contrary to what they actually want to do. So for example, um, you have websites or apps that make you do things. So they design the interface in such a way that you're compelled to buy things or sign up for things, or they make it difficult for you to delete an account or withdraw your consent. So things like that, just making it easy for for the company to get access to you and making it difficult for you to decline based on the user interface. Yeah, so they are purposely working against you and working against your interests uh, just f- for their profit, essentially. Yeah, and I think what's interesting is that the intention behind the design is to trick the user or to get the user to do something or not do something else, which is what's so interesting because it just shows you the extent of value that you have as a user and the extent of value that your data possesses that they would go so much out of their way to design their product Mm -hmm. to make sure that you do or perform certain actions that are for their benefit. Yeah, and there are many... um many examples for this and that we encounter every day. For example, uh, something that I just remembered is the time when Instagram swapped the, the position of the icon. So you click on, I think it was shopping or the Instagram reels. Yes. Like when just it, muscle yeah. memory. Yeah. Um, and again, like this, everybody was against this. Every user said like, this is confusing, but they did it anyway because they wanted to people to use this feature. Exactly. So there are actually many different types of dark patterns that we see and some are more egregious than others. Some, it's very clear that this is something that's aimed to deceive the user and others are quite gray. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit like a gray area. You're not really sure if this is just advertising or if it's, this is intentional in a way. Yeah, because every advertising to a certain extent wants to change your behavior, they want to persuade you to buy something. Exactly. Um, and the, the measures are the question here and then how, how shady they are. Exactly. Okay, so let's get into examples so that people are able to see if they've experienced this, because I'm sure you must mm-hmm. have. So one example that I found is called Roach Motel. <laughs> it's a weird name, but if yeah. you think about it, it kind of makes sense, right? So essentially, it makes it really easy for the user to get into something, mm-hmm. but really difficult to get out of it. So imagine like the, the image of like a maze, and mm-hmm. there's like a little uh, roach trying to find its way through this maze, <laughs> and it's easy to get in, but getting out is like super difficult. Mm-hmm. So an example of this would be, for example, in most applications or on most web pages, it's easy to, to set up an account. All you need is an email address, come up with a password, you get an email with the link, click the link, you're done. Mm-hmm. But then 
sometimes it's really difficult to delete your account or to unsubscribe from something. So sometimes websites make you call a customer care number to to close your account or they make it really difficult for you to find where the delete button is. Like you have to go through different steps, go to the help page, and then after the help page, write a long essay to require, (laughs) you know? So sometimes it's really, really hard to delete an account. And I've experienced this quite a few times, and I'm sure many people have. So that's an example of a dark Where they make you feel like a loser for canceling your account. Like, I don't want all these benefits. Like, look at how good we are. Yeah, or they like make you give 5 million reasons and like (laughs) (laughs) write a thesis. It's like, I just want to be out. (laughs) That's it. So sometimes this can go really far and Mm -hmm. making it just like making it so difficult and so almost impossible for the user to do this that the user ends up giving up and just mm. keeps the account or yeah. just keeps the subscription because which they is just the goal exactly of the exactly so that's a that's a really interesting one that I was shocked mm. to when I was looking this up I was like oh okay because I've experienced that mm. so many times and I never really thought that deeply about it I was just like why is it so hard to do this but now I realize that that's form of a dark pattern yeah uh, also what what I came up with what I remembered. Uh, during the research of this is the LinkedIn um, notifications that somebody sent you a message, but in fact, it's only a, an ad essentially that they sent to you, but it's more or less disguised as a message. So mm. you're thinking somebody actually writes you um, instead of some advertising campaign. Yeah, exactly. So this is like another example. It's called the terminology is disguised ads. Um, basically, advertising is covered up as part of content or in your inbox as Mm. looks like a message, like the example that Paul just gave. And the idea is to get you to click on it without really realizing that it's an advert Mm -hmm. in the first Mm -hmm. place. So yeah, so LinkedIn has been guilty of that. LinkedIn has also been guilty of spam, Mm -hmm. which is another example. So in 2015, LinkedIn lost a $13 million lawsuit related to this friend spam situation where basically when users were signing up to LinkedIn, users were asked, would you like to strengthen your network? And Mm -hmm. then it was kind of like, okay, then users would click or have to unclick to not consent to that. Mm -hmm. And it basically consenting to that gave LinkedIn access to your entire email book and all the contacts on Mm -hmm. your email. And LinkedIn was then able to spam all of your contacts on your emails with these invitation letters to join LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And apparently the spam got so bad that a lot of people were losing professional connections because of this, because it looks as though Paul is spamming me with email. And I'm not realizing that Paul has nothing to do with this. And LinkedIn is using Paul's email address to spam his contact list. That that is shady. Right? So there was a a lawsuit because this this clearly went too far. Um, So there was a lawsuit and LinkedIn lost this and had to pay $13 million. Mm. Mm -hmm. But which didn't turn out much for the individual user, right? Each individual user got like $10. So it was kind of like... Yeah, but I mean, at least it's something. Yeah, and then they stopped. So that's that's a success. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Probably the most known and most common um, example for a dark pattern is the cookie consent. Mm -hmm. So you have to consent to certain cookies uh, under European law and websites sometimes make it really, really hard to not consent. Yeah, I mean, do you want to explain to people what cookies are? Because I think I don't think many people really truly understand what consenting to a cookie is. What are the implications of that? Yeah, so the idea behind cookies is that you can identify a website user by essentially giving them 
uh, an ID uh, that they send to the server every time they open a website. So that, for example, um, Google knows that you are this person uh, anytime you open a Google website. And this can be used to track you across different websites. Mm -hmm. So obviously this is a privacy, it has some privacy implications. Yeah, and also this information that's collected about you, this like your digital footprint then mm -hmm. can be sold to advertisers so that they know what you look up, what you like and things like that. And then they can target you more specifically with certain ads. Right. So certain people or some people don't want this and this is understandable. Yeah. Um, and so the law provides for uh, an option to um, only have this um, cookies enabled uh, if you consent to it. Mm. But obviously website owners and platform owners are interested in getting the most amount of data. So they try to make it really hard for you not to consent. Exactly. So I saw this um, this study that was conducted by researchers from MIT and UCL, and they basically were looking at dark patterns post-GDPR. So GDPR is the data protection law in Europe, and they were trying to see like how effective has this been to combat this issue of dark patterns. And they investigated um, 10,000 of the most visited sites in the UK, and their findings were really quite staggering because they found that when it comes to cookies, that a lot of websites are really deceiving people. So the thing that um, shocked me the most was not really shocked because I've seen it, was that websites imply your consent and then you mm -hmm. actually have to revoke it. So when it comes to the cookie thing, if you've ever clicked on learn more, uh, when you get the cookie mm -hmm. pop-up, you'll actually see that all the different cookies, so ones that are specific to ads or ones that are specific to tracing, ones mm -hmm. that are specific to necessary cookies or technical cookies, are all switched on. And you actually have to actively go in there and switch it off. But if you don't click learn more mm -hmm. and you just click accept, then you accept them using all the cookies mm -hmm. and selling your information to advertisers. Yeah, and this actually was, so uh, this question of whether pre-checked boxes count as consent uh, was part of a, a CJU case mm -hmm. uh, last year, two years ago, uh, that is called Planet 49. Um, and the CJU ruled that this isn't valid consent if you actually have to actively opt out instead of opt in. Mm, exactly. Um, and also another thing that's interesting with this is that very few websites have the reject all button. Mm -hmm. So in the study, they found that only 12.6% of the websites that they looked into have the option for you to reject all of the cookies that are already automatically assumed that you will consent to. Yeah, I mean, it's gotten so absurd that there is a whole game, it's called Cookie Consent Speedrun, that really? you can uh, try out uh, online and you, you'll be timed when trying to deny all the cookies. And it's like they, they throw everything at you with like different toggles and like different labels on the toggles that then influence other toggles. It's great. Oh, it's that's fun. priceless. We have to try that. <laughs> yeah, see who's faster. <laughs> Yeah, so basically, these are just some examples. There are lots more examples and categories of dark mm -hmm. patterns, like we said. But these are the some of the few that we thought many people will probably have experienced yeah. in their day-to-day -day lives. So yeah, so we wanted to discuss it. And now we're going to just jump in a little bit and see, like, what is the law doing about this? Because clearly it's a problem. Yeah, and this is a legal podcast after all, so we try to solve problems legally. Um, but there is no real, like, one legislation for dark patterns that describes dark patterns and bans dark patterns or makes certain rules about them. Um, rather, you have different legal areas focusing on different legal um, 
aspects and some of these dark patterns are regulated, for example, the cookie one, but others aren't. Mm. So for, for cookie consent, there is this rule in the e-privacy directive that you have to consent to not technically necessary cookies. And the rules of consent of the GDPR also apply to the e-privacy, e-privacy directive, which means you active, actively have to opt in to the cookies. Exactly. Um, and, and so this really is one of the more legally determined examples of dark patterns because this really has a basis in the law and has legal consequences when you don't do it right. Right. And of course, there's other areas of law that can protect consumers. Like we have the e-commerce directive, mm-hmm. consumer protection law, unfair practices, mm-hmm. regulations and things like that, that all come together and try to protect users and consumers in general, um, but maybe not specific to dark mm-hmm. patterns, but you could find um, provisions there that could mm. protect you as a consumer. Yeah, for example, um, this legislation already shapes how we use the internet. For example, the e-commerce directive, which goes back 20 years, so it mm. really um, is you know, quite, uh, we're used to it now, uh, requires you to be able to check before you're ordering something, uh, if you entered all the data right. And you have to get a confirmation email, according to this. Um, So this is something that we're really used to, how online shops work. But this is um, also has a basis in law. Exactly. So I mean, like we said, in the EU, there's nothing, there's not one specific law that's dealing with this, but other jurisdictions are actually trying to create laws that specifically call out dark patterns and say, this is what you can do, this is what you can't do. So um, in California, there's they have passed a Consumer Privacy Act, mm-hmm. which essentially bans dark patterns that are aimed at impairing the customer's choice mm-hmm. to opt out of certain things. So um, especially where their personal data is going to be sold for purposes of advertising. So basically they rule out things like what we said with this clicking, the consent already being clicked for you mm-hmm. or not being able to reject all cookies. Um, they focus on things like using confusing language and privacy policies and using double negatives that confuse the user, knowing not knowing whether they're consenting or they're not consenting. So things like that, that a lot of them are addressed, of course, mm-hmm. in the GDPR and in other regulations in the EU. But in the US, in California specifically, they're bringing it, bringing it under one specific act. Yeah, so they really, I mean, it's still only privacy focused. So for example, yeah. the whole like fake countdown, how much time you have left to buy something mm. isn't really, uh, doesn't apply to this. Mm. Um, but uh, it is privacy specific and it is quite similar to the GDPR where the principles are more general, I would say. Exactly. So you have to be transparent about data processing and yeah. you have to give certain information. Yeah. Uh, whereas the CCPA really um, lays down rules specifically what you can and cannot do. Exactly. So there's no like room for argument mm-hmm. in California. Whereas here, some people could say there's room for... The, I don't know, there's room for arguing mm. where, how far does the law go? How far does the law, the law not go? Definitely. Which is nice for us because that's what we do <laughs> yeah. every day. But, but yeah, so they've eliminated that. And I think it's interesting that they've done that. Um, but I do feel like in Europe, we do have kind of a strong basis to work with. Mm. And we do have a lot of laws that are in place to try and um, make sure that things like this don't happen and users don't get caught up in these dark patterns. Definitely. It's just existing rules being applied to this 
relatively new phenomenon. Exactly. So let's move on. Mm -hmm. Since this is the Tech for Good series, we're going to talk to you a little bit about some tech solutions Mm -hmm. that you can use today. You don't have to file a class action lawsuit. You can can use these solutions today to try to address some of these dark patterns. Yeah. So um, one of these solutions is a browser that allows you to protect your your identity, protect your privacy uh, online while browsing, uh, which is called Generate. Yes. So Generate is really cool. I learned about this on LinkedIn, actually, because there was this video going around about the founder of the company on Dragon's Den, and he Mm -hmm. did like really well and got all the funding that he wanted. And it was this whole thing. So no sponsored message. From LinkedIn. No, it wasn't a sponsor. It wasn't a sponsored message. It was organic content. Um, and so essentially, this is a browser extension that has two modes. So the first mode, which is probably the most important to this specific podcast, is the privacy mode, which essentially allows you to be private while you are browsing online. Mm -hmm. So it limits companies from tracking and selling your online data, and it completely removes all ads and removes all traces. Yeah, and I actually found a similar browser called Brave, um, which does a similar thing. So it it removes tracking um, in in the normal mode of operation. But then, similar to Generate, uh, it has an option for it to show you ads, Mm -hmm. but you get to participate in the profits. Mm. So uh, essentially, they show you ads and you get um, a certain amount of points for Generate and Brave has their own cryptocurrency Mm. um, that you can either um, purchase some perks with or um, give to content creators. So essentially, you decide who should get the money from advertising instead of the website operator. Yeah, and I think what's really cool about Generate in this context is that it allows you to kind of create a profile where you tell them what you like. Mm -hmm. So you tell them, I'm into fashion, I'm into tech, I'm into this and that, and this is the type of content that I want to receive. So then the ads will be specific to what you said you liked, Mm -hmm. not if you just search something random Creepy, one day yeah. and then you get ads about random things and you're mm. like, I don't, I'm not into that. I just mm. wanted to look one thing up for one specific podcast or something. <laughs> um, and then, and then you can get points for that. And those points can um, have a monetary value. So mm. apparently um, passive um, people who've signed up to this reward system mm. are earning between 20 to 30 pounds a mm. month in the UK. So I think that's really cool. Like yeah. you just earn some passive income and you get to be very conscious about the advertising that you're getting and you know which companies are having access to your data and you're making something from it. And it sh- really shows how valuable your data is and your attention is. Exactly. Because 30 pounds a month just for no reason, just for looking stuff up. (laughs) Like that's really, really interesting. Yeah, um, I found another interesting technical solution that is called Greasedroid, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, um, an app for Android phones, uh, which is being developed by researchers at Oxford and is really, really new. It's being presented at a conference uh, next week. Uh, and what it allows you to do is essentially download an app from the Play Store directly into their Greasedroid app uh, and then modify it in there. So you have oh. the um, possibility to uh, load external scripts by made by someone else mm-hmm. to essentially enhance the app that you downloaded. Okay. And, they are, and, and what their app does is put these two together and then create more or less a custom app for you uh, with, for example, certain features disabled that annoy you. That's really cool. So you can set your privacy standards 
using this system. Yeah, so for example, one example that they used in their paper was the stories uh, function of Twitter, which nobody really uses, but it's like really annoying in the app mm. or that they show you notifications for certain things that you can't turn off mm. uh, and you can just disable these so it doesn't get shown in the app. Oh, that's really cool. Or for example, you can disable all apps from asking for your, um, uh, for your location data um, and just replace it with some random numbers. Oh, that's really cool. That's actually a very, very interesting idea and solution. So you're more or less customizing a, a, a third-party app. Yeah, and you're deciding what you want to see on your app instead of having to deal with things that annoy you or that are not in line with your ideas with, about privacy and data protection, things like that. You're deciding. So you can still use the apps that you want to use, but on your own terms. Right, and you have the possibility to share these scripts with other people. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to code it yourself. You can get it from... from um, um, marketplace or like a directory of, of different fixes for the apps. Very cool. Okay, so something else that's quite interesting is you can have cookie blockers or tracing blockers, which are essentially um, most of the time web extensions, mm -hmm. and they allow you to block certain cookies already, 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 excuse me, automatically mm -hmm. um, without having to go on each website yeah, and, yeah. and do that. So the French Data Protection Authority has something that's called CookieWiz, um, which is basically a tool that allows internet users to view cookies transmitted while they're browsing the internet. So it gives you information about what each website is doing cookie-wise, and then you can make more informed decisions as opposed to having mm -hmm. to believe them when they say, we don't sell your data because sometimes that's not the case. Yeah, I mean, there's an interest, uh, interesting similar software developed by the European Data Protection Supervisor, which is called EDPS Inspection Software, which you can download and, and which analyzes uh, websites for you. So the privacy uh, practices, um, what kind of cookies they have, what kind of requests they send to other websites, and it visualizes this for you. So this might be interesting for doing research on this, mm. um, but also to you know find out what's going on actually on a website in the background. That's very cool. So we'll put all of these links to all of these solutions um, in the description at the bottom. Mm. So maybe you can try them out and let us know what you think. If some of because we haven't tried all of them to be honest. So if they work or if they don't work or if you have better solutions that you know of, let us know. But yeah. also a final thing that you can do is name and shame, which yeah. I'm a huge proponent <laughs> for. <laughs> so if you go on a website and you or you find out that a, a company is doing something that you can clearly see is not in line with the law, is not in line with good practice for their consumers, it's say just something. Shady, yeah. Just shade them on Twitter. Um, say something online write to them, you know, be active in that and make sure that they understand that you as a consumer are not going to stand for this anymore. And that will oftentimes force companies to make changes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think this is a good um, hint and we do have some solutions for this to like practice digital self-defense. Exactly. Online. Oh, I like that digital self-defense. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so thank you for listening to this episode of RCQ. We will be back in two weeks with another episode of the Tech for Good series. We hope you join us then too. Uh, have a good day. Bye.